0: Hey everyone, Sean Gerber here. Before we start this episode of Marvel Studios News, I want to share an announcement. You'll hear me announce this at the end of the episode, but I also want to give you another chance to not miss it. We are having an Avengers Endgame opening night anniversary watch party this Saturday, April 25th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, There are multiple ways to participate. You can watch me live on our Instagram and submit questions at Marvel Studios News. You can tweet along hashtag Avengers Anniversary on Twitter, and we are at Marvel Newscast over there. And you can also follow along with voice chat available on our Patreon exclusive Discord, which you can find and sign up for at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Hope to see slash hear from you this Saturday. And now on with our show. Welcome to episode 162 of the Marvel Studios News Podcast. My name is Sean Gerber, not joined by Paul Herman this week. Paul is off this week, but I am happy to be joined by Brent Clark, who returns to the podcast. He was with us, I think, back in episode 90-something, I think. We spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time talking about Spider-Man in Marvel movies. Brent, welcome back to the show. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I'm definitely excited to be back here with you.
0: I'm excited to have you back, and I know that we have a lot to talk about today with respect to Marvel Studios and Comic-Con, and maybe it's not the most exciting reason to be talking about Comic-Con, because the news was made official last week. San Diego Comic-Con has been canceled for 2020, not postponed, just full-on canceled. The next San Diego Comic-Con will be in July of 2021. This, of course, means that any of the prospective panels that were going to happen, are no longer going to happen. But it doesn't mean that Marvel Studios doesn't have options if they want to communicate with fans. If they want to engage with fans, they have options. We're going to talk about that on this episode. But before we get to that, Brent, just your thoughts on San Diego Comic-Con for the first time in its 50-year history not happening.
1: Well, it's a... I mean, it's a icon in the industry, in comic books. And even before it was as pop culture as it is now it was just the convention that if you like comic conventions you want to go to it i've never had the opportunity myself we've we've tentatively looked at it before and it's just never quite worked out time-wise or finances-wise or both and i'm just i i am sad that it's canceled because even though i'm not there I do enjoy following along as much as I can through all the people who get to be there on Twitter and stuff like that. So I'm I'm sad that it is canceled. The selfish side of me, though, is hopeful that maybe there will be more things that I can partake in now.
0: Yeah, I'm very sad to hear that Comic-Con is is gone. And, and I think your experience, and I think that sets up a lot of what we are going to talk about later on in the show, but... I go to Comic-Con, I go every year. I haven't been going the entire time. I've been going for the past, a little more than a decade now. I've been going to Comic-Con every year and it's such a blast to go down there, even if I don't factor in the Marvel Studios stuff because I didn't even make it into a Marvel Studios Hall H panel until 2014. I missed the, event, the Iron Man panel, 2007, the Avengers panel, all of them coming together for the first time in 2010. Tom Hiddleston showing up on stage as Loki in 2013. I missed all of that. In fact, Tom Hiddleston being Loki in 2013 was the last straw where I said, that's it. I'm making sure that I get into Hall H because it was always just intimidating to try and make it into Hall H and to brave that line. Eventually, I did, and I have many stories about that over the years. But just going to Comic-Con in general, being amongst fellow fans, walking the floor, never knowing exactly what you're going to see, because you'll see stuff that you anticipate at a Marvel booth or a DC booth, but and you see other cool collectibles, other old comics and I just try to walk the entire floor as much as I can at some, at different points during the convention when the floor is not quite so packed although there are not as many of those times as there used to be when the floor wouldn't be quite so busy but I always just enjoyed going but of course we talked about it on the show a few weeks ago and I've been saying it on various Patreon shows there was just no way for Comic-Con to happen this year because when you're looking at where we are right now with the COVID-19 pandemic And we're starting to get into the the phase of early planning of how we're going to lift stay-at-home orders and and get back into something resembling normal. But even then, it's going to move at a slow pace, much too slow of a pace for us to be able to have an event of 100-plus thousand people in downtown San Diego. So it's just not going to be a good idea. It wasn't safe. There was no way it could really happen in a safe and reasonable way this year. So I agree with the decision to cancel it. It was the right call, even though, yes, Comic-Con is an institution. It is part of the calendar year. It is the centerpiece of the nerd calendar year, San Diego Comic-Con, because it doesn't really matter what you're into these days. Comic-Con probably covers it in some form or fashion, whether it's CW TV shows like Supernatural, not even comic book stuff, just something more genre like Supernatural, or the Marvel movies or DC movies or you into fantasy films, tabletop games, whatever it is, any pretty much any genre that has any sort of foothold in pop culture usually ends up having some place at San Diego Comic Con. And so that's why you get such a great group of fans all coming together to celebrate all the different things that they're passionate about. And so I really do love it and have so many great memories of Comic Con just walking the floor and the the crazy things that happen or You just go to a Marvel Studios panel and they just completely light the place up like they did when I was there anyway, 2014 with Avengers Age of Ultron, 2016 with the Ravagers showing up in full costume, including Michael Rooker as Yondu, introducing Brie Larson officially as Captain Marvel, 2017 dropping some of that first Black Panther footage, also a lot of the first footage from, well, there had already been a teaser, but new footage from Thor Ragnarok. Then you go last year, the phase four announcement. And it was so unbelievably cool being in that room and the electricity that's just there in the Marvel Studios Hall H panels. And so to know that that's not going to happen this year is, of course, disappointing. Even though you understand all you understand all the reasons why this is happening and why it's necessary, we can we can know why things are happening, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're not going to be bummed about it. Just like. We're bummed that we're not seeing Black Widow next month. We were originally going to see it in May and now we're not going to see it until this November. We understand why and it's the right call, but it's still disappointing as a fan to know that some of these things are not going to ha- some of these things we were looking forward to are not going to happen as they were uh, as they were originally scheduled. But there are options, Brent, as you alluded to, I mean as far as the ability for Marvel to engage with its fans. I don't think Marvel is dependent on Comic-Con. In fact, I know they're not dependent on Comic-Con because even though they did a Hall H panel in 2014, in July of that year, just a few months later, at the end of October 2014, on a random Tuesday at 11 a.m. at El Capitan Theater in Hollywood, I was there, and they did this big phase three announcement and presentation. And then if we're talking about in the virtual space, because maybe something like that, isn't in the cards anytime soon. Marvel, not really Marvel, but Disney put on a year ago, this month, Disney put on a big live stream investor presentation for Disney Plus and Marvel Studios was a part of that. Kevin Feige was there talking about some of the Marvel Studios series on Disney Plus. So in physical locations and in the virtual space with live streaming, Disney and Marvel have options if they want to engage with fans. And as you were mentioning before, that's something that you can follow along with and it's even easier for you to follow along with when you're not there, uh, at, just like you are with Comic-Con, uh, following along with the news that's coming from the convention.
1: Absolutely. Any, anything that they do uh, to uh, as a virtual convention idea, anything that they do for a virtual Hall H, if you will, I, it will be appointment viewing for me and I should be able to swing it regardless if I'm at work, I should at least be able to turn it on and listen to it. If I'm, if it happens and I'm at home, I'll actually watch it. If, if it happens at a time when I can't watch it and I'm just listening, I'll go back later and watch it. If that is available to me, I'm, I'm with you. It, It is the right call. It is the right call to cancel San Diego this year, but I'm trying to be with everything going on with this. I'm trying to find the bright sides where I can. And one of those bright sides, even if it is just this year and things go back to quote unquote normal next year, which I honestly don't see happening, but even if it did, maybe just this once I can participate in that stuff too as someone who's never been able to physically be there. And it really stinks for all the people who go every year and they meet up with their friends and it's just an annual tradition for them. And I, I feel for them, I really do. But I'm glad that I'm and hopeful that I'll be able to, to do some of this stuff as well. And I'm hoping that they really utilize Disney Plus to, to do it.
0: Yeah, I really hope that Disney Plus or maybe their social channels, and we'll talk about some of their options there as far as how to live stream. But I hope Marvel Studios and Disney, they do put on some sort of virtual panel this year. But before I get into that, I, I think you hit on a really important point there. About Comic Con and and why it can also be disappointing. And perhaps the biggest disappointment is yes, there's the lack of being able to go to the convention and see things on the floor and, and see the panels that you wanted to see and all of that. But you're totally right in that, such a huge part, and I think the best part of the Comic Con experience is that you do get together with people. And a lot of times it's people that you don't live around normally throughout the year, but you see each other every year at Comic-Con as part of the Hall H line for Marvel Studios panels on Saturday. There are people who I see pretty much every single year. We're right there up toward the front of the line for Hall H. We're the ones trying to get in line and start a line for Hall H. And then we're camping out from that point forward for all of that time, all of those hours, sometimes even days to get to the Marvel Studios panel on Hall H. And it's a great time hanging out with everybody. And I have friends who I'm closer with who are part of that group, but I, I will miss that time this year, spending all that time catching up and just hanging out and geeking out about all of the stuff that we're excited to see, all of the stuff we have seen earlier this year, whether it's about Marvel specifically or it's about other stuff that we're excited about. And so I will miss that time, I think more than anything. Also, Star Wars Celebration, which hasn't officially been canceled yet, but is probably gonna be canceled. I'm disappointed about that because, and the reason I'm disappointed, I mean, when we look at it from a panel perspective, what did we really need a panel for? I mean, yes, Mandalorian season 2 probably would have been a really cool panel, but beyond that, I mean, there's no new Star Wars movie that there would have been a panel for this year. But I was really excited to go because I have a lot of my close friends who were going to go to that convention, and so if that's not going to happen, I'm going to miss out on that time with them, and that really is a disappointing part of this. But as far as the fan experience and the the opportunities that are there, For Disney and Marvel Studios with a virtual panel, there are many things that they could do to still engage with fans. And I don't think it needs to happen just up front here. I don't think this needs to happen the same weekend that Comic Con was going to be. Because Marvel Studios, as far as what they would have presented at Comic Con, has undoubtedly been impacted by all of these production delays. So if you think about what a Marvel Studios Hall H panel would have been this year it wouldn't have been specifically about announcements like most of last year's panel was because last year when they did the panel they had only been in production on black widow so they didn't have a lot of footage to show from multiple projects they just had uh, footage from black widow but they did have a lot of announcements they could make but now that they've made so many announcements i'm sure they would have announced some other stuff at comic con this year But I think another big chunk of the panel, because the panel usually runs about 90 minutes, I think a big portion of those 90 minutes would have most likely been footage from the movies and and Disney Plus series that they were already in production on. So footage from The Falcon, The Winter Soldier, and WandaVision, but also footage Mm -hmm. from movies that they would have been in production on, like Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, maybe even a little bit of very early footage on Spider-Man 3, depending on when they were actually going to start production on that. If nothing else, maybe some concept art, villain announcement, those types of things. Could have also had concept art for Thor Love and Thunder, which was going to be starting production later on this summer, and that's probably going to be bumped a bit. So when we think about all the things they would have shown in July, they won't have all of that. They won't have all of that ready, but that's the advantage of having a virtual panel right from the start here is you get to make Marvel Studios being you, you get to make your own panel or your own schedule for your panel. You don't have to worry about it needs to be on this day, this time, this place. You get to decide when it's going to be. And like you said, Brent, all they have to do is tell us when to watch and we're just going to sit there and we're going to watch. It's it's going to be, as you said, appointment viewing.
1: Yeah. And they they thankfully had so much of the production already done, especially for those Disney Plus shows for WandaVision for Falcon Winter Soldier and obviously even just a little bit off of Loki based on the, the big game spot that they can still show us that stuff. But I, I like the idea that they don't have to do it at the same time that Warner Brothers is having their massive announcements for the year and that some other company is doing their announcements for the year and so on. Because it allows, I mean, that really divides a lot of the attention. And of course, Marvel, the MCU, it commands a lot of attention. But it's still nice to let it get the limelight and away from those other projects for a little bit. And this, you know, before they had this almost arbitrary deadline that they had to hit every year. You know, every July, we got to have something ready to go. Well, now, maybe maybe July is not the right time for it, but maybe September will be a great time for it. Or maybe early if, if Falcon and winter soldier is going to hold that August date, maybe we do something early August. If that's premiering late August as a part of the marketing push for that. And right for that, you know, the first MCU show TV show, the first proper MCU TV show. I, they have, I mean, it's almost an open canvas at this point. And I think there are some things that maybe they have to do different because having Tom Hiddleston show up in, in full Loki costume is not going to have the same impact in a virtual space that it would have at physically at hall H. But at the same time, even if there's something where the day they want to do it, they can't, maybe they can't get everybody present. They could pre-record some segments right. for it. And that just gives them just an open canvas to do whatever they want and promote it however they want in a way that relatively speaking, probably is quite a bit cheaper than what putting on the panel at San Diego would be anyway.
0: It's gotta be a lot more cost effective and, and I'll talk about that in a bit. But that point though about them being able to have a, a blank canvas that they could do whatever they want as far as how they structure it. Yes, the in the room elements won't be the same, but you just won't plan those elements because you know you don't have them. You don't have fans in the room to react to Tom Hiddleston coming out on stage uh, as Loki. I mean, I guess if you really wanted to, I mean, you could have fans present. You could just have a smaller number of fans. I mean, that's the other thing is that if it's not San Diego Comic-Con, you choose the time, but you also choose the place. And going back to that investor presentation for Disney+, Plus, yes, that was for investors and it wasn't for fans but you can still scale that up and you can dress that up for fans. So it doesn't just have to be about the suits who are worrying about their shares in Disney. It can be about the fans and the content, the, the movies, the series that they're excited to see. And so you can dress that up and you can do it. I mean, they could live stream it from El Capitan Theater if that's what they want to do. They could live stream it from a soundstage on the Disney lot or some other lot. If all the sound stages on the Disney lot are booked that day, they can plan it out And then they can do it sort of like how Apple does their product launch uh, events. And they do what a few of those a year where Mm -hmm. Apple just live streams them online as well as they put it on Apple TV. You can watch it there. And in those situations, they do have a lot of press there because they do the hands-on trials for products and things at those same events, but they don't have to do all of that. If they wanna have a limited number of press or fans in the room, they can, but they don't have to. They can just focus on what's on stage What they're ready to announce, what they're ready to show, and they get to choose the time and place. And like you said, if you don't have to worry about this panel is happening at this day and this time, and that's when it's got to happen, then you can build around it as far as how you manage it. And it can be more cost effective. You don't have to pay to have all of your cast, as they've done multiple times in Marvel Studios panels, where they are flying an entire cast, a handful of actors, an ensemble, and a director they're flying them all the way across the world to be in San Diego just to come say hi, and then flying them all the way back, that's not cheap. And so when you think about what they could do with a virtual panel is they already have the cast together on their own soundstage, on their own set, even if they're shooting in London, Atlanta, or Australia, or wherever. And Marvel Studios and Disney are, are gonna do the main show. They might live stream it, the main show from the Burbank lot but they can just capture whatever footage they need to from their cast who's all together. They don't have to travel anybody. They can just grab the footage they need of the cast when they're already there at work and then just pump that into the live stream and everybody's gonna be just as happy because they're seeing the cast talk about the project and maybe they're getting some additional information about the project. So I think a lot of that, there are a lot of benefits for Marvel and Disney for doing a virtual panel. And these benefits aren't just limited to this year, which is something to talk about as we go on here, but it's something that allows them to engage with fans in a time where I think everybody's going to be looking for more ways and more reasons to get excited. And also, if you want to get consumers and fans really excited about going back to the movies, I think you got to rev them up a little bit. I don't think it's enough for these studios or for theaters to just hand out little hand sanitizing wipes and stuff like that. Like, I don't think that kind of stuff is going to get people to go back to theaters. People are going to go back to theaters because they're really excited about what's in the theater and they might need even more excitement than it used to take in order to motivate them to go to the theater. And you talked about how maybe they would do a presentation like this in August to get people ready for The Falcon and Winter Soldier, if that's still going to premiere in August, which we don't know. We haven't heard of any official delay to that yet. but. I'm also thinking, why not, why not do October just like they did in 2014 in the weeks leading up to Black Widow? Why not get people excited about seeing the MCU on the big screen again, even if Falcon and Winter Soldier has already come out on Disney+, a live stream that pumps everybody up about Black Widow, which is almost in theaters, while also filling us in on some of the things that are coming up next, Eternals. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and by then they would have been back in production, hopefully, and they can show some footage from that, maybe also some footage from Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So there would be a lot of things they could potentially show to get everybody really hyped up and just feeling that sense of community again, and that sense of familiarity, that sense of home that you get from seeing Marvel Studios movies in theaters, because this is the franchise that gets people in theaters on a more consistent basis these days than any other. And I think that can still be true as studios and theaters are looking for more way to get people back to these seats uh, to actually go watch these movies on the big screen. So I think there is a really great reason for it. And it's not just because we're fans and we want to see stuff and that wouldn't that be fun? Of course, all of that applies. But from a business perspective for Disney and Marvel Studios, I think there's legitimate value in hosting a virtual panel that shows, that tells the fans, we still got you. Comic-Con was canceled, but we've still got you. Here's what's on the way. It's time to get excited about going to the movies again, starting with Black Widow, but it's not going to end there. Look at everything that's going to follow. I think that is a very valid thing for Disney and Marvel Studios to consider. That is an option they really should be examining right now and hopefully planning for. Maybe it's a little early right now because they don't know. They got to worry about getting productions going again. But once they have all that set up, there is going to be a time to have a little bit of a marketing relaunch for these movies. And so a virtual Marvel Studios Hall H quote unquote panel, I think, is a perfect uh, a perfect solution to a lot of the challenges they're going to face. Yeah, I was I was
1: thinking about it and you could have if studio if 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 movies are in production, you could do things like that the infinity war production announcement video that came out with, mm-hmm. um, Holland, Pratt and Downey like on set. And you could do more stuff like that. Like just imagine something from Dr. Strange and it's just him chilling in the sanctum state right? Just right. on the set and they could just do interviews like that with, Hey, maybe it's only five minutes, maybe it's 10 minutes, but it's going to be more than what you get out of them when they go to hall H because you can actually sit down as quiet. You can hear what the person is saying. Right. And, just do maybe that might break some people's brains Seeing Dr. Strange talk to you as Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, I think it'd be awesome to see him interviewed on set for this kind of thing. And I mean, I don't see why you couldn't do that for most shows as these things, as the movies were coming out, maybe not every single one, but you got multiple projects in production at the same time. You could definitely work a couple of those into it. And I mean, just see like Paul Bettany as division and, just talking to you about WandaVision and giving us more details on WandaVision because we still don't know that much about it yet. I think that would be so much fun and in a way to really engage people and that people would tune in regardless of how they did it, be it on Disney Plus or across the social channels. I think that would really engage people. Hey, you're going to get a special message from this person or that person. And then you don't have to reveal everything ahead of time, but you just kind of tease
0: a little bit. And to me, some of that writes itself. I think so. I mean, there have been a lot of different video packages over the years at San Diego Comic Con during Marvel Studios panels. I mean, that's where Team Thor started with Daryl. I know they eventually got those as special features on Marvel home Mm -hmm. releases, but there was also a great video package from twenty seventeen that they've never aired, never shared anywhere. They should put this on Disney Plus. These old video packages and sizzle reels that they've done at Comic Con in years past. They should totally put those on Disney Plus. I'm sure they still have them. So hopefully they do that. But there was one in 2017 where it looked like it was Luis and Scott Lang in character doing one of Luis's recaps. But then it turns out it was actually Michael Pena and Paul Rudd out of character doing this recap for the benefit of Michelle Pfeiffer, because this was the announcement that Michelle Pfeiffer was Janet (laughs) Van Dyne in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And Hall H just absolutely lost it. And I want to see that footage again. I mean, I saw it, but I want to watch it again. So that kind of stuff should be on Disney+. Plus. But it also just speaks to the kinds of things they could do, the little video packages they could put together and cut to in the middle of a live stream as they're making different types of announcements. And I know it doesn't have that in-the-room quality, but at the same time, most fans experience Comic-Con thousands of miles from the San Diego Convention Center. I'm happy to be there and I feel really lucky to be there in the room for Marvel Studios Hall H panels, although I don't get to skip the line. I wait in line and I earn my seat inside those Marvel Studios Hall H panels, but not everybody gets to go. Even if they could camp out in Hall H, it's expensive. You need a lot of time off from work. And sometimes even if you have all of those elements, you still don't get a ticket to Comic-Con. So it's the kind of thing that not even everybody who wants to go can go. Meanwhile, everybody still follows it from home. So now if you have an event where we're all just following it from home, I don't really think it's that bad. Yes, maybe it loses a little bit of that I was there sense of uh, you know, that little bit of that I was there quality and how special that can be and creating some of those memories. You could lose some of that. I mean, of course, I would lose some of that as somebody who goes to Comic-Con. But if it's a one-time thing this year, and maybe it wouldn't be, but if it's a one-time this thing this year. Everybody understands the reasons why, and everybody would be excited to find out more about these Marvel Studios projects and also maybe see footage when we never saw that. You never saw that from home unless it was a bootleg, because usually if there's footage that's shown Hall in Hall H, occasionally there's a new trailer drop from Marvel that's also released online. They did that with Doctor Strange in 2016. They did it with Thor Ragnarok in 2017, but even then there was footage from each of those films that was exclusive to Hall H that day and wasn't part of the trailers that got released everywhere. So if you take some of that exclusive footage that usually only plays in Hall H, but it's actually part of the live stream on Disney Plus or wherever, that's awesome. And now everybody's getting a chance to see it, talk about it, share it. I mean, maybe not share it because if it's not on social, maybe it won't be as, as shareable, but Either way, it's just really cool that everybody would have an opportunity to see, that more people would have an opportunity to see it. More fans would have an opportunity to engage. So when you're looking at it from a business perspective, your marketing reach in exchange for the money you spend on this, I think you're getting a much better yield out of it. Maybe it doesn't, again, have that special in the room quality, but I think in this virtual setting, I don't know how much is really, really going to be lost because for the 6,500 people who are in Hall H. Maybe they lose a little something, but they're still going to be excited sitting at home. I know I'm still going to be excited if I'm sitting at home watching a live stream and I still get to see that footage and see announcements and see other news and interviews with cast members and stuff like that. If that's the kind of content that I'm getting, then I'm still going to be excited even though I'm well, even though i not in the room. And then as far as where they could stream it, I mean, certainly you could reach more people on free social channels, but I also think that. This is something that doesn't have to be free. Comic Con is not free. So, this panel doesn't have to be free. It could be on Disney Plus, a paid subscription service, because then it just beefs up Disney Plus. It adds value to Disney Plus for people to realize, oh, we get exclusive presentations like this on Disney Plus. That's pretty awesome. And so, I think that's something where for Disney, usually when you spend money going to Comic Con and putting on a panel, it's all marketing and it's not. none of it is money that you are immediately making back. In this case, it's a lot more immediate because not only are you still achieving your marketing goals, but at the same time, you are reinforcing the value. You are adding subscriptions and helping to retain subscriptions for Disney plus your paid streaming service. So I think there's a tremendous amount of value in this for Disney. And of course, there's a lot of value for us as fans. So I just think it's a win-win for there to be at least for this year, and then let's see what happens. Let's see how it works. But at least for this year, a virtual Marvel Studios panel makes a ton of sense to me completely. I actually I would if
1: like if I was you know, working at Disney, I would be lobbying to put it on Disney plus specifically for what you said to get new signups and help retain the existing customers that you already have. I tried finding out what the max capacity was for hall H. And the biggest number I found was 6,500 people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's accurate. I would have guessed it was bigger, but no, that's about right. It, so that's a fraction of who goes to comic con, right? Mm-hmm. And now compare that 6,500 to the 50 million Disney plus subscribers they have. Right. I absolutely think that it should be on Disney Plus. I mean, one month of Disney Plus is nothing compared to what you pay for your ticket to get into Comic Con, let alone right. Hall H, not counting hotels. It, I don't think it'd be any problem making it Disney Plus exclusive. And in this age of the streaming wars, every single streaming service has to do stuff to draw people in. And not all of the, that's something that not every streaming service is going to be able to do. Yeah, sure. HBO max could do something like that with their properties, but you're not going to see this kind of thing from Netflix, really, at least not right away. And getting that kind of value for Disney plus is just, it, you know, it's one side of the business helping the other side of the business, helping them both. And mm-hmm. to me, it, to me, it's a no brainer. And uh, I wouldn't say I don't ever want them to do the hall H style in person thing again. I've, I go to the local conventions myself in the Kansas city area. They have a pretty big convention, not as big as San Diego, but I, it's one of my favorite weekends of the year every year. I mean, it's, it's not exactly small either. Stan Lee was at it a couple of years ago, you know, before he passed and that that I didn't get to meet him, but I got to see him at a packed panel and it was awesome to get to do that stuff live. And I would never want that to go away permanently but I would want this virtual type stuff to come and stick around permanently, do these kind of events and they don't have to be 90 minutes long always. Yeah. Maybe this year you try for a longer one, but nothing would stop. Like I would I think it'd be great if they did something that was 20 minutes long, 30 minutes long in year in the years ahead, just as a way to promote, Hey, here's what we got coming out. We got two more movies and another Disney plus show this year. Let's take a look. I think that would be such a great use of The infrastructure that they've got themselves with Disney Plus.
0: One of the great things about Disney Plus is that it gives them the opportunity to really engage with fans in so many different ways. I mean, I've been talking about this for a while, since even before, I mean, the idea of a virtual Marvel Studios panel on Disney Plus, it's something that I've been talking about. Even people on our Patreon community have been talking about as well for months already. When we were talking almost years now of just thinking about different types of things, back before we even knew that we were gonna get scripted Marvel Studios series on Disney+, Plus. we were already dreaming up ways of how there could be Marvel Studios or Marvel Studios-related content on Disney's streaming service. And because we weren't sure that we, again, we didn't know that we were gonna get the, the scripted series, so what other Marvel Studios stuff could we get? And this was among those ideas. Virtual panels, live streams of Comic-Con or Comic-Con-type panels. Also, other behind-the-scenes uh, behind featurettes little talk shows like uh, like the after shows that are part of like AMC series, like uh, Talking Deb. Also Netflix does some of those after talk shows as well. Even HBO has started doing some of those little segments at the back end of their episodes for some of their major series. So these are the types of things that we could get for the Marvel Studios show and or for various Marvel Studios projects and various little tie-ins to just get extra content to build even more value in that Disney Plus subscription. And then for us as fans... We're here for it. I mean, we consume this stuff. If you're listening to this show right now, you are not only somebody who watches Marvel Studios content, you listen to content about Marvel Studios content. And I love you for that because we wouldn't have listeners if it wasn't for that. And that's the kind of stuff, that's the kind of fans that we are, that's the kind of fans that you are out there. And we love this stuff and we love to engage with it. It doesn't make us like any higher ranking in any sort of fan pecking order or anything like that. But we really do engage with this stuff quite frequently. And we will take all the content that we can get. I mean, when I heard last week when they announced the Disney Gallery, the Mandalorian series, I'm thinking, great, Disney Gallery. It doesn't actually say Star Wars in the first part of that title, which means maybe we'll get Disney Gallery, Falcon Winter Soldier, Disney Gallery, WandaVision, and on down the line for the Marvel Studios Disney Plus series. So I'm up for all of that kind of content, but also live streams of panels seems like such a great idea. And when we set aside the fan portion of it for a second, and just think about the business reasons. I mean, going back into the idea of being more cost-effective, Disney's hurting right now. And there are, of course, reports Bob Iger is not the CEO of Disney again. Bob Chapek is still the CEO. But Bob Iger, as executive chairman, when he gave up the role of CEO earlier this year, he was supposed to be taking a step back and really away from operations at Disney and just focusing on creative. But now in the middle of this unprecedented situation, Bob Iger is back, effectively running the company according to an article from the New York Times a week in, a week or so ago. And a big part of that article was the idea that Bob Iger is helping to reimagine and remake what the Walt Disney company is going to be because things are going to have to be different in the wake of this. And we don't know what we do not yet know and can't even pretend to know that we that we know what normal is going to be. Following all of this, we don't know what the new normal is going to look like. But with Disney re-examining things and potentially reimagining the company, we already know that streaming is the the centerpiece of the future of their business with Disney Plus. But anytime you really look into your operations to figure out how you're going to thrive in the wake of a, a situation such as this. You're looking at everything, and you're looking at the costs of doing business, your costs of doing business, and you're really questioning those things, and you have to ask the hard questions, is this necessary? Should we be spending this money? Is there another way to achieve a similar result for less money? And so when you look at Comic-Con with marketing, this has been a question that's been coming up every year for the past several years in the weeks leading up to Comic-Con. Not counting the fan experience, just from a studio's perspective, is Comic-Con still worth it? Is the big Hall H panel still worth it? Warner Brothers decided not to do one last year, and they had stuff they could have promoted. They could have promoted Joker at Comic-Con last year. They didn't. The movie still made a billion dollars. Conversely, there have been other years where DC, quote unquote, won Hall H on Saturday, even beating the Marvel Studios panel that day. Didn't always translate to box office success for them or didn't always mean a billion dollar hit. But these questions have been there again and again for studios and whether or not it's worth all the money they spend to fly the cast in on private jets from wherever they're at and also have put them up in expensive hotels and have to buy huge blocks of rooms because you're not just housing your cast, you're housing all of the publicists, all of the studio personnel who have to be there to work the event for you and wrangle the cast and all of those things and take care of all the things that they need And everything else, working with the convention personnel and everything else, that all adds up and it adds up very, very quickly. And for a small fraction of that, you could do a live stream panel, which is why I think if Marvel Studios and Disney attempted something like this, if it really worked as well as I think it would, then I think it would become that much more difficult to justify going to Comic-Con. And the only real argument for continuing to go to Comic-Con at that point would be, For the fans, and I don't want to say that to cheapen that as a reason. Doing things, uh, doing things for the fans is very, very nice. But let's also understand that when you go to Comic Con, you're ultimately only doing that for a very limited number of fans. Whereas you can engage with millions of fans on Disney Plus. You don't have to brave a spinning blue circle on a Saturday morning, hoping you'll be able to get a Disney Plus subscription so you can see the Marvel Studios panel. That you don't have to do. But if you want to get make it to Comic Con you have to deal with that and just hope for the best and hope that you actually get a pass that covers because maybe you'll only get Thursday at Comic-Con or Sunday at Comic-Con. You won't necessarily get Saturday. And so the idea of Comic-Con being this thing of, of for the fans is valid, but also you can be for the fans and you can be engaged with the fans in a virtual space. And I don't really think that's all that bad. And I don't really think that takes away from it as much as some might think, other than you know the bragging rights of saying I was there, although it's not just bragging rights. I mean, I have memories that I will cherish from being able to attend Marvel Studios Hall H panels. There's no doubt about that. And I don't want to dismiss that. I just want to factor in that there are other people's experiences to consider. And when we can broaden that audience and more people can actually participate, not maybe in as direct a way as being in the room, but still engage with it, still be talking about it, sharing it socially. And then also, I mean, the virtual experience. I mean, I go back to the Marvel Studios Hall H panel last year, and as great as it was being in the room, what was also a ton of fun for me was, of course, you know, I had my friends who were there, but I had to leave. I had to get back to LA after the Marvel Studios Hall H panel. And so we have our Discord through our Patreon, and a bunch of people were already in there, including Paul, talking about and reacting to the Hall H panel because they were just observing the news from outside of San Diego Comic-Con, as most people do. And we were all having, and I just jumped into the voice chat, and we were having the best time talking about and reacting to that panel, which we would still do the exact same way, even if all of us, including myself, were watching it via a live stream. So I think the fan experience, uh, I think, can be just as great outside of the people who don't get to be in the room anymore, but we're still talking about serving more fans with these panels by doing them virtually. And then, from a business perspective for Disney, the cost savings are incredible. And I think with Disney hurting right now, with all of their revenue streams being dried up, or m- many of them being dried up, Disney Plus is still doing well for them. Eventually, they're going to get those things back. Theme parks will open again, movie theaters will open again. And eventually, most of the people who were going to movie theaters will probably start going back to movie theaters. So, a lot of those revenue streams will start flowing again, and almost as much as they did before. But it doesn't change that you had this period of several weeks or months where you were really hurting. And part of the way that you're going to have to recover from that is you're going to have to maximize your profitability. And that means you're going to have to look at and re-examine all of your different costs of doing business and figuring out what's really worth it. Does going to Hall H really add to the box office for Disney and Marvel Studios? I don't think the argument is there that it does, other than you just want it to be true but the numbers don't really support it. Marvel Studios, when you, look at, uh, when you look at not doing a Comic-Con panel in 2018, no Comic-Con panel in the summer of 2018 to hype Avengers Endgame, highest grossing film of all time. So Marvel Studios doesn't need Comic-Con to make money. It's a nice thing that they do for the fans to hype things up and, and provide a little bit of marketing, but it's all marketing that can be done elsewhere and it can be done for, in, in a much less expensive way but also in a way where more of us collectively as fans have the opportunity to enjoy it. And so I think it's worth trying this year. And then if it works as well as I think it would, if they actually do it, then I think at that point, maybe it's something that Marvel and Disney consider being an ongoing thing. And then it really just calls into question how much they want to participate in Comic-Con going forward.
1: Yeah, the thing about Comic-Con in the last few years, it's really seemed like Uh, there's some sort of level. And once you get above that level, uh, the return on investment for sending your movie stars, for sending your directors and producers there just seems to drop off a cliff. Like if you're smaller, well, Hey, you're getting some exposure and any exposure is great. But when you're the size that these Disney projects are, when you're the size of a Mulan or a Marvel studios movie, I just, I don't, I mean, there's no way to truly track it, but I just don't see the, Dollar return on investment for going. And like you said, yes, there's the whole for the fans idea, and that's wonderful and it's true and it's great for that small handful of people who actually get to go. But end of the day, we are talking about a business. And at the end of the day, they do have to make more money than they're spending. And if something like a virtual con or virtual hall age gets them, even as much but i think even greater return on investment mm-hmm. it, then i mean the math it just doesn't add up to keep doing the big blowouts and i'm not saying marvel shouldn't have a presence at the convention yeah right. have your vendor booths and stuff like that and definitely bring like your writers for the comic book series or maybe you bring some of the tv shows that are smaller that you're trying to prop up that are on the more traditional networks like abc or freeform that you're still doing if they even have anything Marvel-related after S.H.I.E.L.D. ends,
0: but for the big stuff, I just don't think the value to Marvel is there. It's really hard to justify it, and I think the main reason it's been happening for the past several years with Marvel Studios, I think it really has been more for the benefit of the fans than the benefit of the studio as a business, and you can point to that relationship and say that that generates a certain amount of goodwill that just goes up and up and up, and it just works its way it just works its way through the entire fandom and, and overall the rest of the general audience. I don't really know how true that is in terms of how much you can really calculate that to say that going to Comic-Con is worth X number of dollars or X number of millions of dollars. Meanwhile, you are probably spending potentially in the millions of dollars to get everybody there and cut together footage and all the things you're doing. Some of those costs you would still have if you were going to do these things virtually, but you'd still probably be saving hundreds of thousands of dollars per year by doing things virtually, as opposed to going down to San Diego. And I, I think that's something that Disney, I don't think, can really be dismissive of going forward. And as much as you want to just continue to do things for the fans, you also have to be able to justify things. And the For the Fans initiative, I think, is still accomplished. I think it's still achieved in an even bigger way if you're serving the fans in a virtual space where more people can actually engage with it and actually see it and experience it in some form as opposed to secondhand, just having to follow tweets and articles about the panel and then read recaps of footage and stuff like that to be able to engage with it all across the board, all on the same level across the fandom. I think that's something that for as many people as there would be who would be upset about that, you're talking about several thousand people who go to Comic-Con and can actually make it to the Marvel Studios panel, because that's also what we're talking about here is just Marvel Studios panels in Hall H. So max, that's 6,500 people So when you compare 6,500, as you did earlier, Brent, to 50 million plus subscribers right now on Disney Plus, and it's just going to keep adding up and up and up as the the months go by, as the years go by, you're just going to reach a much bigger audience. Not that every single one of those subscribers is going to tune in for the live stream, but a lot of them will, and a lot of fans would be really, really excited, I think, about that kind of opportunity. And for the studios, it's a lot easier for Disney to justify that. And going down to San Diego Comic-Con. And maybe you can do both. Maybe that becomes a thing where they can do both. But there are other concerns, right? As Disney is looking at reorganizing their company, are they going to be taking people's temperatures as they try to go into a Disney park? Are they going to want to be a part of an event that has 6,500 people in the same room where people camp out for days to get in there and then have their talent and executives in the room in that type of environment going forward? Is that something they feel like they want to be able to do? I'm not sure, but then from the Comic-Con perspective, Comic-Con has been around for 50 years. Marvel Studios has been around for, well, 2006 was their first panel. So that's 14 years. So for most of the time that Comic-Con has existed, Comic-Con existed without Marvel Studios. That Marvel's been there, but not necessarily Marvel Studios. And I, I know, of course, as everyone does, that as comic book movies became more popular, And studios engaged with Comic Con, that's when Comic Con blew up because movies have a bigger audience and television, movies and TV have a bigger audience than comic books do. And so the more pop culture came into Comic Con in the form of movies and television series to be presented and marketed there, promoted there, then of course the audience, the Comic Con growing, the Comic Con fan base grew, and there were more and more attendees every single year to the point where Comic Con sells out in the span of hours and people have no chance and that's and that's only hours not because it takes that long for people to want to buy tickets that's just how long it takes the transaction processing system to factor in all of these people trying to buy tickets at once to get it all done but it all run that whole that whole situation with comic con it's still going to it's still bursting at the seams with attendees thousands and thousands of people tens of thousands of people will still go even if Marvel Studios isn't putting on a panel cuz Comic-Con is still a great time in and of itself and people love going to cons all over the country. You mentioned one in your uh, in your area Brent, but people are going to cons all over the country, all over the world, and in most of these cons, there are no Marvel Studios panels. So the convention experience can still be there for everybody. Meanwhile, the Marvel Studios panels, maybe they do both and they do Comic-Con appearances and virtual, but If I had to choose between the two of which one I would rather have exist, I would rather have the virtual panel. I mean I know it makes more sense for Disney, but just as a fan, I think it all it ultimately makes sense for more fans and serves more fans all at once to be able to for everybody to be able to tune in on Disney Plus and watch a live stream of a virtual Marvel Studios panel. And it also creates all kinds of new opportunities for how creative they can get in the ways that they present new information, announcements, footage. Uh, interviews, like you said, on sets and things like that. They can show us so more, so, so much more and be so much more creative in how they do it and change things up on a year over year basis. So we never know what to expect. It can just be that much more fun and also that much more fun because we're all watching it together collectively as a group of fans. So I'm all for this idea of a virtual panel. I hope Marvel Studios really tries it out this year and then we'll see. And, and one last thing on this is that We keep saying Marvel Studios because that's the theme of this podcast, but this is not necessarily limited to Marvel Studios. Yes, Warner could do this with HBO Max to announce DC projects, but even within Disney, you could have D23 Expo, although I've not consistently heard that D23 Expo really makes Disney a lot of money. So maybe they keep doing the Expo, or maybe the Expo becomes a virtual thing. Because what if Star Wars Celebration becomes virtual this year? If they start training themselves on the idea, of these things being virtual, and we as fans are trained on the idea of these things being virtual, and we still have a lot of fun in a virtual environment for these types of panels and conventions, then that could just be the way they do it from now on. Between the safety concerns, the cost concerns, these are all reasons why maybe they would wanna do this stuff in a virtual space anyway, but you could effectively have, if they really wanted to, if they wanted to go big with it, it doesn't just have to be a Marvel Studios panel on some random day at some random time. They could make a whole weekend out of it. And one day could be virtual presentations for Disney. Another one could be Pixar, another one could be Marvel, another one could be Star Wars, and maybe combine certain things depending on how much of the weekend you how long you want the weekend to actually be. But you could do that whole thing for Disney and get people hyped up about all kinds of stuff, not just Marvel Studios, but of course, what we would end up caring the most about and be the most excited about would be the Marvel stuff so I think this is something where it's really worth Disney and for Disney and Marvel Studios I really think it's worth a try this year and then let's uh let's just see how it goes yeah you know uh Warner
1: Brothers live streamed the Wonder Woman uh panel from CCXP in Brazil um Mm -hmm. last summer and that was an awesome experience because there was no way I was going to be able to see it live and then, or like to be there. And then now I just imagine them doing that. But do, like having this available to me to with what is my favorite movie franchise, you know, show me that same style, type of stuff, but with the Eternals, with Shang-Chi and so on. I mean, the idea is it sounds awesome. It just sounds fantastic. And it sounds like so much fun. And of course, it, uh, even if it was disney plus exclusive we could all be on you know the discord or twitter or facebook and talking about this so you're still able to take it in with your with right. other fans and no it's not identical nothing is going to be identical but i i do think that it could be a great experience for a vastly larger number of people
0: absolutely i mean if you want to say that a Marvel Studios Hall H panel is an A++ experience for 6,500 people. Imagine just giving millions of people an A-plus experience or even downgrade it to a solid A instead of an A-plus. I'll take that. I will take that difference so that so many more fans can be engaged with this and, and have the opportunity to watch along and participate. And as you said, come together, In whatever group you have, whether you have fans, uh, friends who you'd be watching on the couch with together as you watch the Marvel Studios panel, or you're part of an online community. I know we have one through our Patreon and our Discord, but it's probably something I've been doing live streams on Instagram, and I would probably do something like that during a Marvel Studios panel so you can watch me react uh, and just geek out about that stuff. Not that you should be watching me. You should be watching what they put on the screen. But There's all kinds of ways that we could engage with one another to just amplify our own collective excitement about all of this stuff in a virtual setting. And so I I think it would be, I think from a business perspective, it makes sense to me for Disney and Marvel Studios, but also from a fan perspective, going back to that idea that Comic Con, Marvel Studios panels, these things are for the fans. Well, this is something that can be for a lot more fans all at once. And I think there is some really, some real value. In that, uh, in that type of scenario, in that solution for Disney and Marvel Studios. So again, I really hope they try something with a virtual Marvel Studios panel. And I really hope they try it this year to, uh, to time things up in, in such a way that it allows us to really get amped up again about going back to the theater to see Black Widow. And then, of course, so much more than that, that will start arriving in theaters every few months once we finally get to see Black Widow We'll have so many other Marvel projects on the way without even adding in, but of course we inevitably will, the Disney Plus series that Marvel Studios is also producing. And those are and that's another way that Disney can advertise Disney Plus to Disney Plus subscribers to make sure they don't try to skip out a few months to go subscribe to Netflix or HBO Max instead because they know there's going to be more Marvel stuff on the way in the form of movies and additional Disney Plus series. So I think it makes sense for Disney and Marvel, makes sense for us as fans, and I think it could just be a really great time. And speaking of what I hope will be a really great time is this Saturday, depending on when you're listening to this, but if you're listening to this soon after it was posted this Saturday, April 25th at 5 p.m. Pacific time, I am hosting an Avengers Endgame opening night anniversary watch party. I know that the official release date is April 26th, but opening night, when we were in theaters watching the movie for the first time, many of us were anyway, that was Thursday, April 25th, 2019. So Saturday, because of leap year, April 25th, 2020, 5 p.m. Pacific time, I'm hosting a, an Avengers Endgame watch party. We've done a few of these already, but not for an opening night anniversary. We can't recreate what it was like in the theater that night, but we'll try our best anyway and just have fun watching this all-time classic from Marvel Studios. So there's multiple ways you can participate in that. Of course, you can just follow along for more information on our social channels at Marvel Studios News on Instagram, at Marvel Newscast on Twitter. We're also facebook.com slash Marvel Studios News or on the website, Marvel Studios News dot Marvel Studios News dot com. But before we wrap up, I just want to let you know there's more that we have to talk about this week. It's going to be over in our Patreon credit scene where every week or when we do most of these main episodes, we also do an additional topic, our Patreon credit scene where we break down whatever the latest news is or anything else that may come to mind. And for this week's Patreon credit scene. We're going to be talking about Venom 2, or as we now know to call it, Venom Let There Be Carnage, which has been moved from October of this year to June of next year. We're going to talk about what that means for Venom, what it means for the SUMC, what it maybe means for the MCU, and what it means for the third Spider-Man film, because now Venom Let There Be Carnage is on the release calendar just a few weeks ahead of the third Marvel Studios produced Spider-Man movie that is currently set for July 16th, 2021. So we'll be talking about all of that. And speaking of our Patreon, I just want to say thank you very much to Jonathan M, Ryan S, Zach M, Lewis F, Dominique D, David M, and Tyler W. They are some of the latest patrons over at patreon.com/slash uh, Marvel Studios News, where we have exclusive content and podcasts that are not available anywhere else, like the Patreon credit scene you heard me mention moments ago. We also have an exclusive Discord community where we have watch parties and we have office hour sessions where I chat with folks. We just have a great conversation going on all the time about Marvel studios, about the MCU. And if you do sign up and you have exclusive audio, you get your own RSS feed that you can put into a podcatcher like Apple podcasts, and you can subscribe. So you get all of your Marvel studios news podcast, the Patreon content, as well as the main show that you're hearing now, it all comes in one feed. You don't have to track it down in multiple places. And uh, for more information on that, again, please visit patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. So, Brent, thank you so much for joining us again on the podcast. Please let everybody know where they can find you.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Brentac Prime. Um, I have a couple shows that I do. Uh, One of them is called Marvel Squadcast, actually. And we we do touch on the movie stuff, but we talk a lot about the comic books as well. And we've been doing some reviews of the old Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, which has been a lot of fun to go back and visit. Um, So it's not just always the present day stuff. It's lots of comic book talk, things like that. And then I have Fans Without Borders where we cover all kinds of movie topics and streaming topics and not just Marvel, but from really whatever property we feel like talking about. So those are the best places to track me down.
0: Perfect. Make sure you all go follow Brent and all those places that you can. If you want to follow me, you can do that on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Brent, for Paul also, even though he's not here, and for Marvel Studios News, I'm Sean Gerber. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.